Hello, everybody, and welcome to another podcast episode from uh, Fresh Perspective Planning. Uh, my name is Michael Mazaritsky. I am the president of Milestone Asset Management Group. We are a fee-only registered investment advisor right here in Avon and Milford. And joining me, my co-host, Rich Lopresti, a certified financial planner uh, who runs our Milford office. Hey, Rich. Hey, hey, Mike. How's it going? It's going pretty well, my friend. It's going pretty well. I'm just happy it stopped raining uh, <laughs> for a little bit at least. <laughs> yes, a uh, little bit of uh, thunderbolts and lightning, right? Damn, man, now, my lawn uh, is so tall. It's crazy. <laughs> now we got the sunny skies. Beautiful. Got the sunny skies. Um, but I, I'm, I'm very, very excited about today's episode. Uh, uh, for, for our listeners there, uh, Rich and I, we, we get together uh, every week, every two weeks, and, and we kind of craft what we call uh, a marketing calendar, which topics we want to cover you know, uh, and just kind of, we've drafted out about six different episodes. And uh, about a month ago or so, we did an episode on a Roth conversion. Uh, and uh, that episode has received a lot of feedback. Uh, we had received a lot of questions and comments from existing clients, listeners that had ended up downloading the episode. So as we started to kind of plan on which topics we'd want to cover, because of the amount of questions that we were getting, Rich and I both agreed that it just made sense for us to do what we call a Q&A, even though it's not a live call-in Q&A, but we had picked a list of questions that we had received from listeners, from existing clients, from you know people that we come across in the community that I felt were big enough to clarify and go over some of the more specific Roth conversions examples. Uh, and just kind of go through and answer as many questions as we can. Now, we have quite a few of them. And as always, we kind of try to keep our episodes to about 30 minutes. So we'll we'll try to get to as many questions as we can. Uh, and depending on how many that is, we will get to, we might have to do another episode 2.0 of, of, of the Q&A of questions received. Um, and uh, if you have any questions, you're listening to this particular segment, you want to send them to us, you can do so by emailing us at info, I-N-F-O, at milestoneamg.com. You can also do it directly from our website, which is milestoneamg.com. So uh, what do you think, Rich? Pretty exciting topic, huh? Uh, as many listeners know, that uh, the Roth IRA account is my favorite uh, account <laughs> by far. <laughs> that is where I like to hold my investments. That's great. No, it, it's definitely a very good, uh, a very interesting topic. The Roth conversions have become a lot more prominent now with all the potential changes that are, could come down the pike here with some of the proposed changes to tax laws and, and taxes are scheduled and potentially to go right. back up. Right. Yeah, there's so many different things where Roth conversions could be a, a great tool if properly used. So why don't we do that and just jump right into the questions? I have about 20 of them, to be honest with you. So I'm just going to start with one and just go down the list. And uh, so, Rich, I'm going to go to you with the first question. The first question that we received really uh, was around Roth conversions after retirement sort of what to look for, what are some of the triggering events, what are some of the, you know, one or two things that somebody should be on the lookout for or aware of if they are considering a Roth conversion and they actually have retired. 
Right. Well, I'm definitely in favor of looking and exploring at a Roth conversion for anyone who is is approaching retirement. But some things that you would want to look at is what is your what is your current income level now before you retire, right? Because what happens is is when you convert money in a Roth IRA, you pay the taxes now as opposed to paying them later meaning that you're, that's going to come out as income. So it could potentially bump you into another tax bracket. So that's one thing that I like to take my clients through is look at, again, what kind of income they have coming in and then start to determine what amount they would be able to convert to a Roth IRA. That's, that's kind of uh, the first place that we look at because overall we're looking to control our tax burden and we're looking also to pay the least amount in taxes. So kind of utilizing that as a starting point, I think is is very, very important. Yeah, so what I'm, I'm hearing from you, and I completely agree with it, it all starts with a plan. You, you gotta have, you have to have a plan, you have to go through a proper process, but there is a huge benefit of converting to a Roth IRA, but you also wanna control your taxes. You don't wanna run out, convert a ton of money and then end up paying 35% bracket on it. Well, maybe you do. Uh, but most of the people that we work with kind of want to spread that out over time, which actually brings me to the next question that we received was, how do you pay taxes on Roth conversions? What do you think, Rich? You want to take that one? Sure. Well, typically you want to pay the taxes from an account outside of the IRA. You don't want to utilize those assets. Now you can, but just think about it. If you're converting, just say, you know, a million dollars, and you're in a 20% tax bracket, well, that's a, a pretty pretty big you know, tax bill that you're going to have to pay right up front. I'm, I'm using large numbers. So that's, that's 200 grand. So does everybody have 200 grand laying around you know, kind of in, in, in their pocket? Uh, not sure. So you're going to want to plan for that and start saving for that as, as, as you approach retirement. But you don't really want to utilize the funds within the account because now that million, you take out the 200 you pay in taxes. Well, now you're down to an $800,000 Roth and it's going to take a lot longer to get back to break even. And the whole point is, is to grow that million that you just converted. You know, if you use the rule uh, a 72, you know, every, if you get a 7% return every 10 years, it's going to double. Well, that million in 10 years will be 2 million which is great if you wanted you don't ha- if you wanted to take out the whole 2 million you don't have to pay any taxes right but if it was left in the IRA you would have to pay you know 400,000 in taxes but again utilizing funds from outside of the IRA account is is ideal yeah and, and I totally agree with that and this is actually one of the most common questions we also get as we sit down with you know clients or prospective clients is well, how, how do I pay for it? Why don't I just pay taxes out of my conversion amount? Meaning when you move money from traditional to a Roth, why don't I just reduce that dollar amount and I'm done? And as you, Rich, point out, you lose a third of it in taxes, which defeats the whole purpose of tax-free growth. You got to basically make that up before you get back to your original conversion amount. But it's also important to you know to understand, and this is one of the things that we do with our clients, is that we ask them for their tax returns every year. Because we want to be able to estimate and take a look at see what 
do we estimate the cost of conversion would be? How much taxes could it potentially take? And can they afford to do it this year? Do they have enough cash set aside? And if they don't, can they get to the point where they have enough cash so that we have money outside of the Roth accounts to do right. conversions. Yeah, I would just add to that too is you know you can't be afraid to pay taxes now. I mean, it looks you know like a big tax, but obviously I used a big example. But every little bit helps, even if you're converting ten thousand, twenty thousand, thirty thousand. What you're also doing is you're lowering the amount that is going to be in your taxable IRA or four hundred one k. Because most people don't realize that. You know, if you have that million dollars in your IRA, well, a million of it's not yours. You know, you're going to have to pay taxes at some point. And if that's going to be growing and just say you're 55 or 65, that's 10 or 20 years before you actually need to start taking the funds out, it's going to grow. You know, if, if you're doing things right, it's going to grow from a million to two million to hopefully to four million, right? So if you can control the taxes up front, don't, again, be afraid to pay taxes now. Yeah, no, that's a good point. <clears throat> I actually use this uh, example all the time saying, hey, you want to pay 20% of 1 million today or do you want to pay 20% of 2 million 10 years from now? Which pretty much sums it up. Great. Well, so let's move on to a couple of uh, questions that are a little bit more complex. So one of the questions that we receive has to do with what's called the Roth conversion aggregation rule as well as Roth conversion five-year rule. So I'm going to, I'll take those and I'll, and I'll kind of go through the, the first question first. What is Roth conversion aggregation rule? Well, when you have an IRA account, a traditional IRA account, just one, you can easily move the money and, and, and all of your contributions to that IRA have been deducted on your taxes. So it was either a deductible contribution for you where you use that to offset your income in prior years. Or it was just a straight-up rollover, meaning you left the company, you took your 401k, you rolled it to an IRA. So you have an IRA with an identifiable pre-tax monies in it. So you go in, you convert from that account to a Roth, whatever dollar amount you're converting, that entire amount is taxable to you. That's pretty straightforward. Well, let's complicate things a little bit. So let's say... I retired today, I took my 401k and I rolled my 401k to a traditional or rollover IRA. So the monies that I've moved from my 401k are pre-tax. However, prior to it, I have an IRA account somewhere else where I've contributed to, but I never deducted that on my income. So when you do a conversion, in the situation when you have multiple IRA accounts and some of them have taxable uh, uh, contributions that were deducted on your taxes and some of them that don't, the IRS prorates it uh, when it comes down to taxation. So you can have some of your uh, country conversion might be taxable and some of your conversion might be not taxable because it's after-tax money is being converted as part of it. In addition, and I know this is a pretty complex rule, but it's out there. So if you have any questions on that, again, just feel free to reach out to us. But uh, in order to cover additional questions, we're going to move on to the five-year rule. So the five-year rule states, uh, and actually, by the way, I'm going to go back to aggregation rule for just one second. If everything you have in your traditional IRA is pre-tax, uh, post-tax, you can also move that to a Roth IRA and pay no income taxes on it because the contributions made 
to that IRA were made with after-tax dollars. So it's technically speaking after-tax, and uh, you only pay taxes on the growth component of it. However, in the example that I gave, if I have a 401k account and I have a traditional IRA with after-tax contributions, the conversion will be prorated as well. So you can't just pick and choose which option okay. you're converting, whether you're converting all pre-tax or all after-tax. It's going to be prorated. So it gets a little bit hairier there. So hopefully you have an accountant or an experienced planner that can kind of help you figure that out. Like mixing salt and water, Mike. You can't, Correct. You can't really separate it. That's exactly it. Um, so it gets a little bit more complicated. So you want to be cognizant of that so you don't accidentally run into a problem where you thought the conversion was tax-free because you're converting after-tax money in one IRA, but you forgot you have an IRA with a 401k rollover that's totally pre-tax, and now it's going to be prorated where the portion will be taxed to you on that conversion. Another question that we got had to do with the five-year rule. So the way the five-year rule works with the Roth accounts is if you never had a Roth IRA account ever, let's say I retired today, I rolled over my 401k to an IRA, traditional IRA or rollover, so a pre-tax IRA account, and I opened and I said, you know what, I'm going to do some conversions. Well, I've never had a Roth account before, so I'm going to open one up. Soon as I open the Roth IRA account uh, and I convert money into it, so in other words, I fund the Roth account, whether it's a contribution or conversion, it's irrelevant. I have to wait five years before I can take the earnings out tax-free. Um, so what a lot of times happens is that somebody works, 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 works. They retire. They come and see uh, an accountant, and somebody tells them about Roth conversions. They roll over their 401k. They start doing Roth conversions. Uh, but they don't realize that, that they have to wait five years before they can take the earnings out without paying taxes on it. Now, the exception to that rule is if you have a Roth, all you have to do is open a Roth IRA account and put some money into it if you can at any point in time. The five-year rule countdown starts from the day you open your first IRA, Roth IRA account. So this way, when you retire and if you decide to do some conversions, you're way beyond the five-year rule, and therefore the five-year rule no longer applies to you. Yep. Is, is yep. there anything you want to add to that? Yeah, well, open Roth accounts for your kids. <laughs> that's, that's one too. Uh, but yeah, so in, in our example before, if you did convert that million, you still could take out that million. He's just saying now that if if the account doubled in less than five years, you wouldn't be able to take out the full two million. You would only be able to take out the one million. Um, Without paying taxes, right. But you know these accounts are really designed to help you control your tax burden in retirement if you need to take out certain funds, not bump you in another tax bracket. But ultimately, you're going to want to hang on to a tax-free account as long as as, as you can, um, You know, unless, again, it's incorporated into your withdrawal strategy, which is a whole other topic. And, that, and, and, and we know that these two questions are pretty specific and a little bit complex, but I wanted to make sure, because we've got these questions a couple of times. So I wanted to make sure to address that. So once again, if it's a little bit too hard for you to get it, just reach back out to us. We'll be happy to go over that with you. Another fun question that we got has to do with RMD. And there's two parts to it. And I'll, uh, I'll let Rich handle one part and I'll respond to the other part. So the question that I'm going to talk about has to do with the following. If I'm 72 years old, 
which is now the age at which you have to take required minimum distribution. That's basically when the IRS comes to you and says, hey, listen, you've been deferring this sucker for too long. Got to start taking money out. And they kind of tell you what you have to take out and you got to take it out and pay taxes on it. You have no say in it. So the question that we got was, hey, okay, that's fine. I'm going to take some money out. I got the required distribution. That's fine. Can't I just convert that? Can I just take what my required minimum distribution amount is for the year and still pay taxes on it, but instead do a conversion versus me taking the money out? Which is a very good question and and, and very sort of of a, a cool way of thinking about it. But the answer to your question is no. The way the law is and the way it is today, you have you can certainly do conversions at the age of 72. However, you have to satisfy your required minimum distribution first. That dollar amount cannot go to a Roth IRA, cannot go to another IRA. It has to be withdrawn. Now, once you have satisfied that amount, yeah, you can do whatever you want. You can take anything above and beyond that and throw it into a Roth IRA account and pay taxes on it. So IRS doesn't care about it afterwards. But you must satisfy your required distribution first, um, which is leading me to my next question. It has to do with, in general, calculations of RMDs and sort of how Roth conversions earlier could impact your RMDs later. Rich, you want to take that one? Yeah, well, some people have their IRAs and they don't take anything out of them until they're 72. They try to keep keep delaying it. But what happens is is when they keep delaying it, it keeps keeps growing and growing and growing. You know, since you're not, you know, you retire at 65, but you're not taking it out to 72. Well, that's that's 7 years of of growth. So what happens is is that your RMD is going to continually get higher and higher and higher as your account grows per your allocation. So you know, again, what Mike is saying, well, it might be a little bit too late in that instance at 72 because the government is not giving you a free lunch. They want their taxes on that uh, right then and there. So, you know, that's you, you kind of need to pre, pre-plan that. Very, very interesting how the government works. <laughs> yeah, you can say that again. I mean, I guess growth is a good thing, but it would be even better if the growth is tax-free. Right? You don't right. have to pay any taxes. Yes. Yeah, so, so so the MRD, which is a minimum required distribution, or RMD, which is required minimum distribution, which is the same same thing, uh, is going to get higher and higher and higher. You know, the government uses a lifetime uniform table, and you know the divisor kind of kind of gets smaller and smaller, and your RMD gets higher and higher uh, every every year. So you know, seventy two, seventy three, so it's going to get higher and higher and higher. So. You know, when you're in your 80s, you're, you might have a really significant required minimum distribution. You might actually be making more money or paying more in taxes than you did when you were working. And, you know, when, when you kind of run out simulations and you run out some of these possibilities and these numbers, it's, it's, it's staggering. And um, those are only in simulations, but it's also in real life because we have clients that have pretty big minimum required distributions. Um, and, and, you know, they have pretty large traditional 401ks, IRAs, and, you know, they kick themselves and wish that they converted more sooner. So, Isn't it crazy that, you know, there's a lot of saying out there that people go by that says, hey, listen, when I retire, my income is going to go down possibly for a small period of time. 
But right. once that RMD kicks in, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the, the IRS is forcing distributions on you, which you have zero control over. You know, speaking of not having any control, no. that, that is certainly something that you have no control once you hit seventy-two. Yeah, high, high class problem to have, but you know, again, minimize the tax burden. I mean, keep keep more for you know you, the family, and things. <laughs> you know, you need to enjoy your life, so you need to spend your money too. Don't let the government spend it for you. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And with, with a little bit of planning and, and, and proper preparation and a continuously ongoing review, you can save yourself a lot of money in taxes because, you know, Social Security comes in, you retire, you hop on Social Security, you draw some of your non-retirement accounts, you know, you, you're 10% bracket, 12% bracket. Well, let's dial it up, you know, get it up to 22, do some conversions, pay 22% now because probably not going to see 22%. For much longer, again, just my opinion. Obviously, I don't know. Which I thought was a great. This this great next question is is, is actually a, a very very good question. And uh, uh, Rich, I'll let you handle that one because I feel like I've been doing a ton of talking here. Um, it has to do with can you do a Roth conversion in kind? Maybe you can explain to our listeners what does it mean to what what does in kind means and, and and can you do it? And if so, exactly what it is. That you do, yeah. So, so in kind means you are invested in a mutual fund or exchange traded fund or a stock, whatever it is. Can you convert it in kind? And the answer is yes. And it's kind of interesting too because it's you know it's tough to time the market. It's spending time in the market, but you know, people look at some of the positions that they have. And, you know, again, if we go back to, we don't want to go really go back to it, but COVID back in March or late last year, you know, markets were down 20, 30, 40%. You know, a lot of people were scared, freaking out, didn't know what was going to happen, you know, didn't even know if they can ever go outside again or, or see their family. But if you stay focused and you don't panic, nothing really has changed within the market, except you know, your your Apple stock that you have in your portfolio dropped 20 to 30 percent, right? Well, that's a great time to convert, right? So if you have 100 shares of Apple and, you know, one day it was trading at 200 and now it's at 150, you could convert those to a Roth IRA in kind and you would only pay taxes on what the value of it was at that day. So what Mike is saying is, you have the ability to move different parts of your portfolio and convert it to a Roth. My rule of thumb typically for a Roth IRA is to have, you know, your, your I guess it's not really the proper word, but your most aggressive uh, investments or the equity or stock portion of your portfolio that is going to give you that growth um, to grow that account. Right. So, you know, you could convert your Apple, your Amazon, or your favorite mutual fund or your index fund, your QQQs or your spiders. So you have the, the ability to convert anything you want. And it'll be, <clears throat> again, the daily value of when, when it was converted, the, the closing price would be what you'd be paying in, in taxes. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. Let, let me kind of walk you guys through an example uh, of exactly what that means. So first of all, you hopefully had you know, continue to have these discussions with your advisors. So you, you kind of have a plan on, on what you're looking to do. If you are doing Roth conversions, you kind of have an idea of what your, you know, five-year plan looks like with those conversions. Save so a ballpark number that you review every year just to make sure that number is still the right number. 
So let me give you an example. When you have a traditional IRA account and you said, Mike, I'm going to do some Roth conversions. It makes sense. The plan looks good. I'm ready. Then what happens is when the market is volatile, you know, Mike, you know, you Rich use an example of COVID. Well, we did a lot of Roth conversions uh, when the market pulled last year around springtime. So let me explain to you how it works. So let's say you have a company that you own 100 shares of, and that company today is trading at $100 per share, which is $10,000. Rich, if my math is off, correct me. It's, it's been a long day. Spot on. <laughs> so you say, you know what, Mike? I, I, I want to do the conversion here. Let's just kind of earmark it, and that's the number. We're going to convert those 100 shares. Well, let's use COVID as an example. So all of a sudden, the market drops in value, and the shares that you had, still 100 shares, but now instead of being at $100 per share, they're valued at $80 per share. So if we originally did the conversion at $100 per share, we would have had $10,000 as taxable income to us, and we would have moved shares of, let's say, Apple, so that's the company, from traditional IRA to Roth, same 100 shares, we move it over, and because of the, what the value was, we pay $10,000 worth of ordinary income tax on it that would have been added to your income for the year. Well, now it's still Apple, it's still 100 shares, but instead of being valued at $100 per share, it's valued at 80. So we would go in, we would convert the same 100 shares of Apple, but now we're paying a conversion amount of $8,000 being added to our taxable income for the year because the value of those shares declined. So we go in, we convert Apple at $80 a share, and then next thing you know, what happened after COVID? Market came right back up. So by the end of the year, Apple ended up being, let's say, up 30 40% for that year. So now that $8,000 that we had paid taxes on, those 100 shares that we converted when the market was lower, now growing tax-free in your Roth IRA account, and the growth that it's compounding even in that one year is completely tax-free for you. How cool is that? It's <laughs> it's the best thing going. <laughs> and, and and that's why, you know, when you're working, you know, and you have a plan, the plan needs to be able to pivot. You know, when the market is volatile, yeah, you know, you, it's uncomfortable. Yes, the, you know, you don't want to look at your accounts because the market is fluctuating. But that's why it's important to have a plan because you plan for those things. And when the market is volatile, there are other opportunities that you can take advantage of because we know the market goes back up. Over a longer period of time, it goes back up. So taking advantage of those short-term opportunities is very important um, because it can significantly help you pay less taxes and still do the same amount of Roth conversions. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you need to have somebody who kind of keeps an eye on it for you, or if you're doing it yourself, you got to be able to kind of make those decisions fairly quickly at the time. So now uh, it actually brings me to the the next question, and and the next question is 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 a very interesting one. We we kind of talked a little bit about this earlier in this episode, and it has to do with what we call the backdoor conversion. You know, these the, the names are what they are, uh, but we had somebody, they asked us a question. It's like, what is a backdoor conversion and how is it different from a regular Roth conversion? 
And I'm, I'm happy to kind of go through it and explain it to you guys. So when you do a regular Roth conversion, it's just like everything that we have talked about last episode and this episode. You go in and you take certain money from your traditional or pre-tax IRA. You move that to a Roth IRA. You know, you pay taxes on the conversion amount at the end of the year. And the, whatever you move to a Roth grows tax-free for the rest of your life. And then when you pass away, your beneficiaries inherit a Roth account. And now they have 10 years to take it out. And they don't, they don't have to pay any taxes on it. So what is a backdoor conversion? So the backdoor conversion is, is when you are still working for the company, for example, all of your monies are in your 401k plan. You cannot roll that over to an IRA to start doing some conversions. Uh, and you're making too much money to contribute to a Roth IRA account straight up. So what sometimes people do is they open up a regular traditional IRA account and they make after-tax contributions into those traditional IRA accounts. So in other words, it's not deductible for them on their tax returns. And as soon as they make that contribution, next day they turn around and they convert that amount to a Roth IRA. Now, the reason why it's called backdoor is because you're kind of getting around the fact that you make too much money to contribute to a Roth directly. Uh, and because you're moving money from a traditional IRA into a Roth IRA, and the money that you put into a traditional IRA, in this example, you did not deduct on your taxes, so they're after tax, there are no tax to be paid on it. So in other mm -hmm. words, you contribute after tax to a traditional IRA, and then you turn around and you move that to a Roth IRA as a conversion, and you don't pay any taxes on it because it is an after-tax amount. You do need to be aware of the aggregation rule, which we've talked about earlier in this episode. So rewind back to it and make sure that you don't run into any problems and you know, talk to an accountant, talk to a planner. Uh, but this is a very popular way to kind of small and, and trickle down some money into your Roth IRA account over time as you're working and you are making too much money to contribute to a Roth IRA account directly. Anything yep. you want to add to that, Rich? Nope. It's uh, it's what they call a loophole, Michael. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good loophole to be able to do that. But like Mike said, you know, if you do have other IRAs too, it's going to aggregate with those IRAs. So it's not going to be as straight and as simple as you'd like it to be. But again, if you're going to be con converting to a Roth anyway, that's a good way to uh, start converting some dollars. But it's a great loophole, a great way to do it. And uh, yeah, excellent. And it's still available, you know. I mean, who knows with all these new reforms that they put together, eventually maybe they close it somehow. I'm not sure. Nothing is guaranteed, no. but they it's should out just let there. you. Yeah, I mean, the government should just let you can can you know contribute to a Roth instead of having to go through these steps. But <laughs> um, you still can do it through through the back door. Yeah, it it is I what understand. it is. You know, we we kind of got to work with what we got. Um, so what you know, since we already passed thirty minutes on this episode, we have quite a few more questions that we really wanted to go over. So maybe what we'll do is we will create another episode, um, sort of two Q and A episode two, where we kind of continue to go through these questions. If you have any questions that you'd like us to address that we didn't address in today's episode, just go ahead and send them over to us. Once again, our email is info at milestoneamg.com. And you can also find us on our website at milestoneamg.com. But as you can tell, both Rich and I are very passionate about Roth IRA accounts. I think it's a phenomenal planning tool, but the key word is planning. You have to have a plan. 
it needs to be revisited on an annual basis. It needs to be adjusted. You have to be able to make changes to it. Uh, but it's a phenomenal tool to try to pay taxes on your own terms, pass the money on to your beneficiaries in the best possible format you can, and grow it tax-free for the rest of your life. Um, Rich, anything you want to kick in here before we kind of wrap this up? No, I think you. I think you nailed it. It uh, you know it's definitely a long term planning tool, and you know the sooner you get you get on it, if it makes sense for you and your family, your situation, I would I would definitely start to to contribute to a Roth IRA, or consider you know converting some of your traditional monies to it, so you can spread out your tax bill over time and, and kind of minimize it in the future when you do retire. Yeah, and, and I understand that. I don't want you running out and starting doing conversions like crazy. Obviously, this is all educational in nature, so make sure you talk to an accountant. Make sure you talk to a financial planner uh, before you do any of this. But uh, you know, the point of this podcast is to provide you with some information that we feel is relevant, kind of share with you some of the best practices that we use. Uh, but again, have a plan. Uh, hopefully, you do, and, uh, and the froth conversion is part of it. I think you'd be very, very happy. So thank you everyone for tuning in and uh, we will be back with more episodes on this podcast very, very soon. All right. Till next time. Till next time. Have a good one.